Hi there. A quick note before you start listening to this episode. As the podcast has evolved, we've come to focus more directly on the topic of diversity, equity, and inclusion in organizational life. The episode you're currently listening to focuses more broadly on the topic of creating purposeful organizations. So if that's what you're after, then listen on. But if you're looking for more DEI-focused content, we suggest skipping forward a few episodes and looking for the ones titled Inclusion at Work. Happy listening. The data around higher levels of engagement, of less turnover with their people, uh, their, their, their teams and organisations being willing to put in that discretionary effort to go the extra mile or kilometre to get the things, to get work done for people feeling the motivation and, and this, the younger generations coming through where meaning and purpose is pivotal to them. Welcome to the Leaders for Good podcast, where we celebrate and learn from the leaders making positive change for people, the planet and their organisations. We also talk to world-class experts who share their insights, knowledge and tools to help you make it happen. At Leaders for Good, we believe all organisations can profitably integrate doing good into their business. everyone welcome back to the leaders for good podcast and in this episode we sit down for a conversation with annie stewart annie is an expert in the field of leadership development and coaching with over 25 years experience she's the author of two books on the topics of purpose and finding your career calling she holds a bachelor of applied science and a master's degree in ergonomics her doctoral research is focused on how leaders find, follow, and sustain their purpose. And in this wide-ranging conversation, we dive into all of that and much, much more. This was a really fun one, and we went pretty deep on the topic. So listen in. We enjoyed it, and we hope you will too. Okay, welcome back to the Leaders for Good podcast. Um, I'm joined today by Kerry Boys, as always. Hello. Um, I am Phil Cross, and we have the great pleasure today of being in the studio with uh, Annie Stewart. Annie, how are you going today? Doing very well, thank you. Good to be back in Sydney. I've been working from Brisbane and the Gold Coast for the last two months. They've opened the, board, opened no, the borders and no, let no, you no. in? Yes, they let me in, but uh, they won't let me back in. Right, okay. So no. you're stuck in Sydney. Yeah, I'm stuck in Sydney now. Not a bad place to be stuck. That's a time. Wonderful. Um, Annie, uh, we'll, we'll lead in with sort of the usual, usual mm. potted question. How would you describe the work you do for the listening audience? I specialise in leadership development and uh, career coaching. And I'm a, a, a teacher and uh, a coach with that work. And I see myself as a guide for people mm. and a guide to show the way uh, because I've been doing this work for a couple of decades now and that opportunity to be seeing where the terrain is going and, and I enjoy the career coaching space as well. Mm. That's sort of a complement mm. to the leadership development uh, because it allows uh, myself and the team to, to work with you know, a, a broader cross-section of people, not just in the, the corporate workspaces. Yeah, amazing. And mm. You've been working in it for 20-plus years. What got you started? Mm -hmm. 
Well, my original background was in uh, occupational therapy and ergonomics. So I worked as an ergonomist and, and risk management consultant. And uh, I was doing that in my early 20s. So I was one of the first women to be going in underground mines and with BHP, Ford Motor wow. Company. So from, from pretty early on, I could see that when you had great leadership, the culture was a lot stronger and there was less incidence of uh, workplace injuries and uh, low morale and high turnover. So my curious mind started to think, well, what's going on here? Mm. How can one or two people influence or in turn when the leadership was really off the effect then on all those other parameters? And, uh, and so that started to get me interested in the leadership development area. I ended up leading quite a large team of consultants in s between Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane and, and built that experience. And then I happened to meet a woman called Cynthia Thoreau when I was uh, in my early 30s, who was one of the leaders of corporate coaching uh, out of Boulder, Colorado, and she was out here with Lendlease. Mm. And uh, she said to me, you're a natural fit for uh, executive coaching and leadership development. You've got your academic background, you've got the work that you're doing, and you've got a passion for people and people reaching potential. Would you consider it? And I hadn't even thought of that as a professional area. And so uh, I linked up with Cynthia and it was a Zen master student relationship. She was an incredible woman, uh, like a force of nature. Mm. People still tremble when they you mentioned Cynthia Thoreau. She'd be in her 80s now. And, yeah, wow. Uh, so anyway, she took me under her wing and I worked with her for three or four years. And then I got to that point of thinking I want to do it on my own. And that's when I uh, established Simpatico. Mm. Mm. What was it about Cynthia? What was it about her her approach or her style? Or, you know, you mentioned she was a bit of a force of nature. Uh, what attracted you to taking the leap with her and going into this sort of previously area that you hadn't thought about as a career path? Yeah. I, you, know, you do meet people in your life mm. where it can be as subtle as a heartbeat that you can miss, where they end up being a pivotal person for you. So I was at a point of exploring where I was going in, in my career. I was burnt out at the time mm. and uh, her energy and, um, uh, and she was a very spiritual woman and had the, all the Aztec jewellery on and the mm. whole sort of look with the cowboy boots. So as a person, she just caught my interest uh, and she, we had that trust straight away. Yeah, yeah. And so I guess I was at a turning point. She comes around at the right time. I was happy to go and meet with her mm -hmm. and uh, and just trusted that she was onto something. Yeah, yeah. And I was able to forego my previous work to, to work in with her. And uh, our offices were across the road here from where we're talking today. So the yeah, memories beautiful. of uh, probably uh, two and a half, three thousand hours of one-on-one -on -one coaching I would have done in that building across from here. Fantastic. Uh, with Lendlease, Combank, Suncorp Netway. A lot of uh, people and experience to have uh, in the big rollouts that she was part of. Mm. Mm. And, and what keeps you coaching and what keeps you in this world? Because you, you've still got like clearly the passion and the sparkle in your eye when you talk yeah. about it. Look, that's a million dollar question. <laughs> I, 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 I always uh, said to myself, if there's a time I'm starting to be bored here, and I'm not present with my client, mm. I've got to take a look at what's going on. Mm. Am I exhausted? Am, am I not eating, sleeping well? Is this work no longer aligned to, to what I want to do? Am I getting a bit bored with people's stories? Uh, and even during the toughest times I've had in my personal life, I could feel hand on heart 99.5% of the time I've been fully present 
with my clients. So I do go into another place and zone with them. Mm. And uh, that has remained that way. And I don't coach every day, so I'm doing the leadership development work and facilitating or, or writing books other days. So I've, I'm blessed with variety. Mm. And, uh, and I think that's been part of the mix where I feel that with my coaching clients, I learn by facilitating about the latest tools and tips and skills that I add value to them and then the other way around. Yeah, that's great. Mm. So, so talking of frameworks and tools and tips and skills, you've got a pretty epic seven-stage process that you've talked us through in the past. I'd love you to give the listeners a bit of an overview of that process. Sure, Kerry. Uh, for the listeners to know where that's come from within me, uh, I've got a real commitment to people finding their sense of purpose and calling in what they do. And to be able to, to, to do that, I explored well, how can you find and follow your purpose? Some people naturally come across it and they know from a young age that they're going to be an astronaut or a musician or a teacher or a doctor, whatever it might be. But for most of us, it's a bit of a circuitous journey. Mm. And I felt that myself and others I come across can waste time in this precious life by not being sure of how to go about things or making difficult decisions of choice points. And so that's when I set about, uh, it was about 15 years ago, to really look at how leaders find and follow their purpose and calling. Yeah. So I did uh, a doctorate on that, interviewed many, many people um, and some of my clients with their stories and, and my own journey and all the, the literature across um, psychology, the esoteric side, business, uh, philosophy, psychology, to then look at what the steps would be. And for my background, how to do something is fundamental mm. to me. Mm. So the how-tos, I saw that there was this uh, pattern of seven steps. So if I could just briefly mention what they are. And yeah, they sound please. quite simplistic. So the first is to be able to notice that there's something stirring within you. That could be uh, um, uh, you know, a longing, a discontent, uh, a, a searching, lost anxiety, these sorts of reactions. And so step one is to be able to slow down and, and listen with the ear of your heart. And so you might say, well, how do I listen? How do I know the difference between what my heart and what the truth is in me versus what's my ego and what's pressures and so on? So in, the, in my book and my work with clients is going through the, the, the journey of how to slow down, how to listen, how to notice what you're listening and to look at the hints that are going on around you and the symbols and the patterns of your life. So it's a little bit of the Jungian psychology side mm, or from mm. our indigenous people that they do out in nature in the dream time. Yeah. Uh, and so with that slowing down and, and listening is to then prepare your body, mind and soul. So that can be critical for many of us who are so exhausted. Perhaps we've been eating a lot of crappy food where... Um, we're burned out. Uh, there could be some unresolved stuff that we've got to figure out in our personal lives uh, to mm -hmm. forgiveness and all those sorts of things that can be part of our uh, history, uh, forgiving ourselves, um, addictions, mm -hmm. all these sorts of themes. Okay, so say, right, well, that could be the step that you need to be preparing body, mind and spirit for a while and then clients would say, well, when they were getting fitter again or listening to music or uh, that their baby was more in a routine and so I was starting to, to get some decent sleep or whatever mm. again, 
clarity starts to come. I, Is it? I, 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 I'm reflecting on a coaching conversation I had with somebody earlier this week mm. and she was it was on the it was on the subject of purpose mm. and she was thinking about what was what was mm. next for her in mm. in her career and yeah. and she was getting hung up on the fact that nothing was stirring from her nothing was an obvious north star for her nothing mm. was the the, the mm. obvious next step and for her the toxic environment she's currently in from a from a work perspective mm. was just taking so much of her attention mm -hmm. and so much of her her mental energy that she couldn't see you know, she couldn't see above the, the, the forest canopy. So the next step for her became, you know, moving out of that environment to give her the space to, mm. to then sense mm. into what's next. So I'm mm. just uh, completely aligning with what you're saying. Mm. Um, there's a, there's that, that period of healing, that period of, 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 of kind of resetting before, before, before setting, I guess. That's right. Yeah. And I, I think for, for many folks, uh, who, who are searching and feeling lost about finding their way, that element, that step gives them permission mm. in our busy society, in our world to think you've got to have a quick solution and there's going to be a quick fix or you Google something and there's going to be a, a, a simple formula. Mm. Not necessarily the mm. case. Mm -hmm. Now, the flip side to that, there are those individuals who do have those aha moments in experiences, even traumatic uh, events in their life where they might then be able to say, look, I don't want other people to have to go through what I have. I've learnt this and it's very clear mm. what I'm called to do. So that once again, there can be, you know, yeah. there's no simple formula to this one as well. And so out of that in step three, we take our people through a journey of knowing who you are which is quite a complex question because there's lots of layers <laughs> to us, aren't they? Mm. And to be able to understand at the core of your being, what are those values that drive you? What's your motivators? What are the preferred environments that you, you choose to be in? What lights you up? What do you enjoy doing? Mm. What are the, the causes or the organisations that you, you most resonate with? Um, your origin story. So going back, we use exercises with uh, clients to go back on like a river of life, looking at the journey of their life like a river mm. from the source right to where they are now and where that river will eventually go out to the sea, mm. out to the mouth. What is it you see as your vision, legacy, but what's come preceding this? Because there's often the hints there of what is going to be mm. um, important to you. Similar to your sharing before, before you met, uh, you know, before you entered the world of coaching, you know, you already had the, you already had the, the, the academic background, you already mm. had the people focus. Mm. It was almost your, your, your river was moving in that direction. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and uh, it can happen that it finds us. We don't find it. Mm. Uh, and, and that can be part of the magic of once again, just noticing when that might be the factor that's, that's occurring. And, uh, and of course we're going to feel, uh, um, how happy it's when we're, we're following our route of, of life where we're not a square peg in a round hole. Mm. And uh, so by knowing who you are, that, that process with clients and myself and people who read my books could be over a, a few months of, of mm. taking the opportunity for personal inventory almost to be able to, to build on that first step of slowing down, preparing yourself, knowing who you are. And then by step four is starting to think about, well, how could I be naming what mm. is my intention? Mm. What is it that is calling me most? What's the, the, the question that I'm holding? And that uh, 
point where someone gets to that of being able to, to, to document a clarity of intention. And then we go on with the other steps of uh, what, what, how you're going to go about the planning. So that's the, p the planning stage and the pursuing and living it out and then the final steps around how you're going to keep it going. Mm. So that pursuing and living it out is step mm. six. Yep. And this is a spot where people can get stuck. Mm. That to pursue and live something out is the commitment. Yeah, okay. Where you're signing up to yourself, I am committed. So let's say during t this COVID time, it's really testing some people's commitments mm. to what they feel mm. is their, their purpose as, as a leader or Absolutely. an emerging leader. And uh, to say, all right, I might need to, to, to pivot here. Uh, I might need to adjust, but I've got still a commitment. And this combination of commitment and meaning and motivation is the differentiator of those who give up. Hmm. And in my research, it was very clear that the folks that stayed the path and they often also had a key person or two that believed in them. Hmm. It could be a partner, it could be a mentor, it could be uh, even an ancestor or someone who, uh, or a presence hmm. that they feel has got their back to continue with this and to, to, to not give up. And then you've got to have access to opportunities as well. Mm -hmm. Sure. And so for those people, and this is why I do my, my voluntary work, for folks that are not having access yep. to opportunities, mm. and there's many people on our planet that, that don't. And that would be part of the journey that I'm doing, wanting to do more of in that step, step six where more people can ac have access to opportunity yeah. as a fundamental human right. Then in the step seven is how to keep it going and growing. Mm. So how do we serve? By that point, you're getting to in leadership to more like a sacred leadership mm. level of how do I serve? How do I make a difference? How do I continue to dissolve that ego part of me mm. and uh, be able to contribute? And if we're doing what we love to do and what we're meant to do and we've perfected our craft, mm. it can be self-perpetuating. The the dissolving ego part of it and that that kind of at the end of the mm. or not the end of the journey but the, mm. the that sort of final step in that in that process and and where that starts to play in for people there's um in my experience people who are going through that there's this sense of nihilism that comes online at, at one point because it's like well if if this isn't real nothing's real and what's my purpose and and I think there's a in my experience, and I'm, I'm curious to hear your experience, there's a there's a doubt before the uh, before recommitting there for for some individuals mm. That, mm. that kind of um, they see through the veil a little bit, and then they're um, but then almost a, an unstoppable motivation and a joy comes online mm. when they realise that they are in the world, they are they are still committed, the the, mm. the, the things around them are mm. still there to be solved. Um, I, I don't know what your what your experience with that is. Yes, very much so. So mm. I, I see the the seven steps as a, a cycle mm. and we can cycle back to the first step go through it again if yeah. I can just share a short experience I had in 2013 where I'd gone through a challenging time personally and uh, I decided to take four months off and go on a sabbatical my son had finished his HSC mm -hmm. and I sold up the house in Bondi and went traveling in Europe and India for four months beautiful um, put a halt pause on the simpatico as well and when I returned to Sydney I felt really disconnected from corporate. I just felt, I don't know, that the, the was corruption and it was disappointing mm -hmm. what I was seeing around me. 
and I'd been happy for every single day of those four months. And I was by myself for two of the four months and I was writing my book and I came back to Sydney and it took me about three months. I didn't feel comfortable in corporate clothes any longer uh, and I was really, really lost and, and depressed. And then one day I had a coaching client and I came out of that session, I was walking up Pitt Street Mall and I felt my posture was up again and uh, I was happy. And I thought, what's going on here? Uh, I'm back doing what I love to do. So what was lighting me up was that connection with the client, mm. feeling I was making a difference for them. And so I reflected that, yeah, the seven steps, I had to slow down again. I had to prepare myself again to re-enter life here in Sydney. So it was like reverse culture shock. And uh, then knowing who I am, what is it that I want to do to reinvent my career now after this time away? And, uh, and out of that, a recommitment to what calls me mm. occurred over that next couple of months. And I haven't looked back. It's been turbocharged ever since that, that time. And I remember my mum saying to me around then, just read your own book, Annie. <laughs> you know, my first book on just And I was complaining around how lost I was. She said, well, just go and read your book. <laughs> and so I caught the train down to the Illawarra, down to Austin, Maria, yeah. and down there, caught the train and read my own book and realised, yeah, I'm going through this journey again of, of uh, looking at a reset and a reinvention of my purpose. Mm. So funny sometimes those things where you can't see it yourself, even though you've just written an entire book on it. <laughs> exactly. But I'm glad you know, the book worked and helped worked. you work it through it. It worked and it gave me the comfort to say, all right, back to what you're saying, Phil, of we are, you know, we're going back through that step of, of doubt mm. and questioning ourselves or questioning the world. And I think there's a lot of that going on at the moment uh, around where things are heading and how we're responding to that and what does that mean for us, us our relationships, our world, mm. our organisations and politics as well, of course. Mm. And what's true about purpose for us today is not necessarily going to be true tomorrow. As you say, I think what, what I took away from immediately from step one of slowing down and, and kind of is almost a commitment to seeing purpose or seeing the re reflection on purpose mm. as, a, as a lifelong practice. Mm. This isn't a, you know, one and done workshop you do and then I'm, set forever and wow. i can i can go and pursue it it's actually a a continual a continual check-in with, yes. with yourself it's like is this is this still lighting me up is this still what i'm you know what i'm motivated because we it's all too easy to get into the habituated pattern and then look around and 10 years have passed and i've been you know doing something that i don't know why i was doing it mm, exactly right and obviously our focus area and it sounds like yours is similar is around for us, it's around leaders in business and mm. how they can help businesses do more good. And mm. our starting point of all our programs is individual purpose, because mm. if you're not connected mm. through to whatever it is you're trying to do, that's going to be really hard to actually drive. Do you work with individuals in that way about how their purpose links through to an organisational purpose? Very much so, yeah. So uh, typically in one time, I'd be rolling out uh, in my team uh, a, a couple of programs on that either with uh, an organisation, of course, and then the individual coaching is a separate piece. Uh, so yes, we've, we've done a lot of work in that space and I feel very comfortable we've got it to a position where it's psychologically safe. Yeah, great. Uh, back about 20 years ago, there's a lot of this transformational leadership work going on and uh, mm. I was uncomfortable with what I was seeing with pushing people, oh, you've got to know your purpose, you've got to figure it out, um, you look at your life journey. Mm. And some people have got some really tough things that mm. have happened to them. Sure. And you might be catching them at a 
imagine you find is at a vulnerable time in their life. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, so we look at it around leadership purpose, why do I lead, versus personal purpose. So the questions around uh, where, where you notice the leadership element in you emerging from a possibly a young age, what is where were your values starting to appear and, and making that more conscious and uh, and of course and then there's that process of thinking through whether you're able to get it to a couple of sentences around um, we call it for us to call it the the AFI so you know what's the the action words so we have action dictionaries for mm. people to think what are the actions what's the doing where they feel uh, most engaged so that might be around that they um, they're able to elevate they inspire they coach they teach they help um, and on it goes so that mm. can be a real process and to get some yeah. feedback from other people about when do you see me at my best yeah and yeah. I'll say you're just a brilliant at connecting people mm. the way you're able to teach people and so that that helps in and the f so what's your focus what's the focus is it your teams and or your stakeholders is your focus also the planet mm -hmm. communities animal beings so really where are you focusing that sense of action and and what's the feedback you get from others where the focus seems to be and then the eyes what is the impact what's mm. what's the contribution and to be able to weave that into a sentence or two can be a very powerful <coughs> moment mm -hmm. where people are able to um, name themselves and that my leadership purpose is dot, dot, dot. Mm. And then they might be saying, oh, well, that's really how I am in my personal life as well. Yeah. That Do you often see a big connection between the two? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where people say, oh, no, they're separate. But then they go, hang on a tick. And they might have kids and they go, oh, yeah, that's how I am with my kids or uh, with my friends. I like for me, I'm just love this whole area of people finding work they love, mm. and I'm just like in another zone with people. It's like I'm a, a detective trying mm. to unpack the secret code uh, to try to look for the intersections mm. between their interests and what the world needs and the marketplace to find this like a Venn diagram. Yep. I just get so into that um, with anybody I meet pr pretty well if I have half the chance if they'll let me go there. So, yes, a lot of work there um, around leadership purpose and, of course, how that aligns with the organisational mm. purpose and helping our clients with the storytelling mm -hmm. and the processes we teach them so that they can perhaps do the same thing with their team's purpose. Yes. And, uh, and then if we're working with founders, often their personal purpose is the purpose anyway, isn't it, of the... Of mm. their organisation. Mm, mm. uh, so the purpose work definitely has been taking off the last five years or so. Uh, more and more that's coming in and I'm feeling really comfortable with where it's going, as I said before, to be doing it in an appropriate way and it's life-changing. And I have clients that sp spot me at the airport or somewhere and they said, you know what, that, that, that exercise that we did yeah. uh, really changed the course of my career because it is, like you said before, Phil, it's my true north. Mm. It's it's my ethics. It's my guiding point. And if it's off balance, I know I can come back to that. It's not rocket science that something's been going on. Where, in your experience, is the biggest blind spot for leaders in being able to go? Aha, yes, that's it. You know, is it is it emotional literacy? Is it um, in the reflection from others? You mentioned a couple of things. There. I'm just w I'm wondering where do you see where do you see in your work the lights go on for people the mm. most about 
like the 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 clarity around this this is mm. this is it i guess we're mm. talking about stage four um here yeah. um yeah i'm curious curious as what your experience well they can bounce off other people too so when you've got a group of people working on this together that might be a, a point where the clarity comes or as we run it where there can be a couple of weeks or so between sessions mm. so they have that first time and then in their reflections their dreams feedback from other people and a little bit of magic goes on I don't know if you both mm. noticed that as well mm. the serendipity of, of uh, they recall something so the unconscious mind is an incredible yeah. thing like the iceberg principle there's so much goes on yep. and for people who are into this uh, to allow that time just to see what what permeates and certainly we encourage them to be out in nature mm. um, <clears throat> meditating speaking to people beautiful music connecting into their body and massage things that get you out of your head and the analytical side mm. you asked about the channel of the blind spot mm. uh, that that blind spot can be people think they have to come up with something so powerful and original as though they're an mm. advertising guru and I'll say, look, there's 7.5 billion people on the planet. <laughs> how, you many, know, how many? Clubs? How many? Like, we are unique and we have ego and, and our individuality. And sure, sure, you can come up with something really clever. But for most of us, there's only so many words in our English language. Or mm. someone who might have had English as a second language, but, you know, way cool as that, you might come up with a purpose that's got some of your mother tongue language in there sure um i'd love to be able to have an italian purpose italian's my <laughs> favorite country in the world outside here to be able to express it in italian would be something wonderful to me so to be able to just say look don't be so tough on yourself mm. it could be the simplicity um someone was saying to me yesterday that theirs is uh set s-e-t to serve to enjoy and t is to trust trust mm. themselves trust the higher power that's out there. Yeah. Trust that everything's going to be okay and to enjoy and to st I'm here to serve. Yeah. So is that okay? I said, of course it is. That's, that sounds wonderful. If, it, if it's resonating with you, uh, others who might be stuck, they might be going through a big change in their life. Mm. They're actually at a crossroads or a time of questioning. And to be able to land on something, just they might not be in the headspace. Mm, mm. And grappling, I'm seeing at the moment, between meaning and purpose. So people could feel perhaps they've got some purpose, but they're questioning the meaning yep. of uh, their life. Yep. And uh, I think that's a reasonable question. And, and, yeah. and just for the audience, could you could you unpack and just differentiate meaning and purpose? Because I, 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 think, I think for some people it's used interchangeably. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I think it would be useful if you could just d tease that apart. Yeah, look, it's... A, it's a subtle but a powerful difference and I've mm. gone through it myself and that's what has led me to explore it further because there's times I've had purpose but I haven't had meaning. So I went through a huge year last year on the life event scale. Pretty well everything that could happen that was difficult did. Mm. Yet I was still feeling so purposeful and driven with finishing my second book and I was in the zone with my clients and my work and my family. Yet I'd... I'd lost my home situation, major relationship changes, death of significant people, mm. and questioning just the, what's the, the meaning? And then COVID, just in the way the things were going and with some clients and situations. So I think that you can have purpose, but that deeper meaning of what gives you that sense of um, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs mm. um, 
and I, I said I'm not explaining it very well, but I think people know the difference and know that that's okay. Mm. Or you can have the, the the meaning but not have the purpose. Mm. And mm. Uh, and I think when you say, all right, they're not quite lined up at the moment. Mm. And to be able to journal about what what is it that you're experiencing that's not quite landing for you at the moment mm-hmm. between the two. Mm. Okay. The um, the was what, what, sex, uh, step six in the in the process was set. Is that setting the setting the purpose? Uh, no, step six is around pers- the pursuing and living it out. Okay. Mm. Okay. Mm. The opportunity to do that and the opportunity to live out purpose um connecting that back to so so some of the work we do is connecting that back to Mm. working life and and Mm. and people finding that within their roles and the opportunity um isn't necessarily there for a lot of people Mm. to um you know uproot leave Mm. completely transform their you know where they are in the world and and Mm. what they're doing um how do people or how do you how do you help people think about you know making it actionable like action actualizing their um you know their their purpose in the world is there a is there a, is there a process there yes yeah, so we draw something like a a timeline mm. so you say okay at this point i'm feeling clearer about what the purpose is or what i feel might be calling me in my work and then you say all right that's a timeline out to a date that resonates so they might say it's their 40th birthday or um, when their youngest child is doing the HSC, whatever it might be. So you say, all right, so here's this timeline. It could be their river as well. So what are you going to have to do to pursue and live that out? What What is knowing that the research shows that the people that succeed are the ones that are able to live it out? Uh, what are the choices you're going to need to make mm. to increase the probability of that happening? Mm. So a classic one would be, I need to relook at my finances. Saying to them, well, there's going to have to be some sacrifice, probably. So what's the choice point? Mm. Uh, do you want to have the, the, the top school fees, the big mortgage, the fancy car? So I'm being a bit cynical there because mm, uh, mm. I, I hear it so much of it. Sure. Oh, no, no, I can't give that up. Yeah. But you want to be able to pursue and live out what's you feel is your life's work where you're going to be using your abilities and so Mm. on so i get um quite passionate with clients around that yeah a couple of reasons um i was married 20 years divorced and my then husband he was in leadership development as well we should have known better to be Mm. able to resolve this stuff and talk (laughs) it through (laughs) yeah but the pursuit of the house in double bay fancy cars and we got lost along the way Mm. And, and, and to see how that can happen, it's quite seductive. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Quite seductive. So I had a, a working class background in the western suburbs of Sydney. By the time I was 18, my father's business had gone gangbusters and we were living at Vaucluse on Sydney Harbour. Mm-hmm. So I've moved through classes of, of society and where I've lived here and, and elsewhere. So I'm really passionate about people thinking about these things and, and making choices. Mm. And there will be... Typically sacrifice yeah, yeah. and commitment and perhaps you can't buy a property in Sydney, you're going to have to rent. So get over yourself type of thing. You know, like <laughs> and in perceived a sacrifices, I guess. Perceived sacrifice, yeah. yeah. But Very if it's the point. joy of feeling that you're doing what it is that resonates yep. and, uh, and you have to make adjustments in years like now that we've got, mm. 
and and, and pivoting mm. in a way. Yep. But I find with uh, those folks, and this is where my books have helped people to say, all right, I feel as though these books and Annie's work guide me. Yeah. Like she's a Sherpa in the Himalayas that's kind of a bit ahead of me. And to be able to say, if you can, just hang in there. Mm. Hang in there and uh, keep communicating with your key relationships. And then if, uh, if you're wanting to, let's say someone might be saying, I want to be an actor, but they're rejected 30 times from getting a gig, maybe it's time then to, to relook at it. If, if, you, if you're missing <laughs> yeah, okay, out. So there's an, an element yeah, of realism yeah, in there people, as well. <laughs> I get people come to me who are actors and musos and artists and yeah. so on. And I said, well, if you're just missing out by one, you're getting right to the, the last two yeah. for that gig. Well, hang in there, right? Y but if you're consistently not getting a, a comeback for the next audition yep. or the next uh, art exhibition, perhaps it is time to relook at it. Or a leader who's continuing to miss out on the promotions or they've got a start-up and it's their fourth start-up where the funding's not coming in and the innovation's not taking off. You know, I'm, I'm not naive to that with my clients mm. or to be able to say, look, you know, the universe could be telling you something. It's not right time, right place. How could you just readjust your expectations? I will, uh, I will give up on my dream of playing professional basketball. Oh, oh Phil, don't do that. Well, maybe... <laughs> no, I'm joking. I, I've never played <laughs> basketball in my life. There's an intersection some there with something else. Or maybe you're saying that. <laughs> I'm, yes. just, I'm just not yep, seven no, foot no. tall either. <laughs> um, the... Um, yeah, the, uh, the 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 connection to kind of financial security. We we, we speak to people about that quite a lot, and, mm. and financial security, as you as you well pointed out, is 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 very relative. Mm. You can you can be financially secure on fifty sixty thousand dollars a year if you make your life like quite small yes. and condensed. But mm. yeah, if your if your um, ambition is mm. to drive a drive a Bugatti and 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 exist on that, mm. yeah. But I think what we often find, I don't know if you find the same, is that another reason I said perceived um, mm. sacrifice is that often once people do sacrifice it, but they've got the other meaning, they suddenly realise it wasn't a sacrifice at all. Yes. And they're much happier than if they'd had the house or the car. That's right. And yeah. that's kind of wonderful to watch. That's wonderful to see that. And you find those, those examples as well, where they just take off and do incredibly well and be, can be much more successful than they yep. could have anticipated. Mm. And they're also creating great wealth and opportunities financially too in a, in a way that, that they didn't anticipate because they've just mm. kept following their path and then there's been the feedback from the market and opportunities and, uh, and they really have got that element of both going on in life. Mm. Um, I'm going to ask a devil's advocate question, mm. if I may, um, for perhaps some, some hard-headed cynics out there that have mm. been to perhaps some, some, some less less inspiring workshops around purpose and mm. maybe they got sent to, you know, some, some organizational training and mm. they're like, I, I don't, don't know about all this purpose business. I just, I turn up and I do what I do and, mm. and I get through the day and mm. all the rest of it. So a uh, long handed way of saying, what, why focus on purpose? What are the, you know, what are the, what are the benefits that, I mean, mm. they, they seem quite obvious like uh, when we, we we exist in this world and we talk about it a lot and it seems mm. quite obvious but um mm. for people who haven't thought as deeply or worked mm. with worked with this topic are there some mm. uh, you know clear bright lines you could draw there yes well the research is compelling mm. uh, right around the the world and in, in different you know cultural contexts that when you've got purpose-driven leaders and assuming that their purpose is for good mm -hmm, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know and important point that there are those elements where i think that's always a caveat that I'd be mentioning, yeah. uh, that the data around higher levels of engagement, 
of less turnover with their people. Uh, their, their, their teams and organisations being willing to put in that discretionary effort to go the extra mile or kilometre mm. to get the things, to get work done. For people feeling the motivation and, and this, the younger generations coming through where meaning and purpose is pivotal to them, mm-hmm. where they'll be checking out, as you know, an organisation based on the vibe, the culture and what they're standing for. And the cynics will say, look, I'm just not going to take someone's word for it. Um, it's a bit sus. How can I, and I'm asked this all the time, how do you truly find out what's going on versus the hype mm. on their website or their, their social media? And, uh, and so this search for meaning and purpose is fundamental to the human condition through, throughout time. Mm. And those folks that understand intrinsic motivators where uh, people feel uh, acknowledged and there is some meaning, they're understanding the why, and that's clearly communicated and followed up where it's consistent. The results are there both in the organisational um, outcomes, mm-hmm. and then for those individual leaders, uh, and there's countless studies, and I've got a number of them in my book and websites, where you've been following leaders who are purpose-driven, and their retention rates of their people, and product development and so on mm. is, is, is very strong. So in any work that uh, I do want for the theorists, who that's their learning style, to be able to fill their convincer bucket mm-hmm. with you know substantive research. I like that. I like that framing. Fill the convincer bucket. I'm, I'm, I'm swiping that one. I'm going to use that. <laughs> <laughs> We've done a similar. We've got a business case for good, which is mm. all of those stats that prove mm. that absolutely it drives business performance, whatever, however you might measure that. Mm. So it's really important, isn't it, in terms of selling in? To absolutely. Absolutely, yes, to be able to put the metrics around it, because exactly why would people bother? You know, mm. it's not a psychotherapy session and mm. so on. So it's interesting to see what's coming out with McKinsey's and PwC, uh, EY. Yep. They're getting on very much in there as well now yep. and, and doing research, and which is great outside university and business school mm-hmm. environments that also have the stats then around, uh, you know, stakeholder return on investments mm. that, that also, I think, increases the, the case for thinking about leader purpose, individual t- purpose as well as then purpose-driven organizations mm. yeah mm. on the purpose-driven organization front are there any organizations you see that you think are doing it especially well any favorite organizations uh, i've got two two favorites i can look at one from the not-for-profit sector right. and one from um, financial services so uh the iag insurance group mm. um, i'm mentioning them too because people can be cynical about insurance and I've worked and consulted with them for about 20 years now. So they've got a very clear purpose, which they created about eight years ago, that we make your world a safer place. Hmm. So by making your world a safer place, I've seen firsthand that applies to their, their frontline people, of course, to their customers. It applies to people like myself who goes in, goes in there to, to work with them. It applies to their leaders, their stakeholders. And they take it through to being able to restore communities after the bushfires and floods. And when I'm there with them consistently, I think they're walking the talk. Mm. They also uh, get involved with policy and advocacy with government around um, change. Mm. They're doing some very interesting work around climate change because they're at the front line of what they're seeing with the mm. increase in claims yeah, for and sure. so on across their portfolio. 
Uh, so that's what inspires me, where I see it like an ecosystem of an organisation who sees they have a responsibility to their customers, their stakeholders, their people, their community and the planet. Mm. And they're, they're doing it. So the other one in the not-for-profit, uh, Oz Harvest. Yeah, amazing organisation. They're, they're brilliant and their purpose uh, to nourish our country. Mm. And, uh, and, and what they've done in the leadership with Ronnie Khan is moving um, along the way as in a system now to see the issues with wasted food around landfill and the mm. impact on the environment. And, and of course, back to people in need, that they're able to preempt what's happening mm. to communities. Mm. They're not mm. in their ivory tower. They're knowing how tough people can be doing it in, in, in everyday neighbourhoods that have got no food. And to be able to see this huge issue of waste and to do something about it and work within corporate life as well as around their branding. Mm. So their branding, I remember Ronnie Khan saying at one stage she only had one or two vans out there on the street, the Oz Harvest yellow vans. Yep. But people would say to her, oh, we've seen your van again. But she only had two. Now there's 120. But I think that's smart that you're also being able to position your product, mm. her identity and her people. And, and I know it firsthand how she develops her teams that work with her and her volunteers. So I'm I'm quite cynical, I think, mm. and I because uh, I've been burnt. I've seen things sure. that don't quite add up, and so when I come across organisations that I feel are walking the talk, uh, that inspires me. So that's two examples for you. I could go on. No, that's quite a few that, others. Mm. That's beautiful. I, I just wanted to like zoom out on that, if I may, because you mentioned before when you when you came back from your travels and you were a bit burnt out mm. on on organisational life and a bit disillusioned mm. with it, and you just gave a, a couple of great examples of, mm. of organisations mm. do, doing good mm. in the world, and and to sort of take that a step further. What is it you believe about the ultimate purpose of business? Is do you have a do you have a frame around that? You know why why are businesses ultimately in business or why should they be in your view? Mm. I think they're here to serve. They're, they're mm. here to serve and provide a service, mm. whatever that might be, whether it's uh, the local barista right through to a, you know, a bank or a, or a, um, a government department, whatever it might be, or a large corporate. So there, there is a service that they're providing mm. and also to provide gainful employment, uh, to, hmm. to, to provide work, to, to provide food for people's families and, 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 and keep the whole society. So we, we need to work, we're made to work as, as beings and that hmm. responsibility of business to be able to provide an opportunity, an opportunity yeah. for, for people to, to work and to, to have as much as possible gainful employment employment that they do find a sense of meaning and and safety and it keeps the turbines going doesn't it of i'd see you know just people who have retired or if you even look at outside people pets i see my sister's pets her dogs go to work each day to mm. guard the house you know or whatever they <laughs> might be doing or what their job is to yeah. do yeah we have an innate desire for occupation yeah don't we and yeah. and and to have some routine to have some contribution and meaning sure. and our businesses do that we'd be lost without them yeah uh so after my cynical time back in 2013 i realized my platform's corporate life mm. it's mm. my stage mm. Mm. and although i'm a bit of a lefty they provide most of the employment they're only human beings doing the best they can yeah 
often in very challenging situations. Around that 2013 was when the, the tech boom was starting and the rationalisation mm. of mm. jobs. So I had many clients where, you know, 20% of workforces were being slashed. This, the elections were on, the federal elections. There was so much stupidity going on with the elections when I got back that you see, and then I go, okay, people are just people. Mm. I make mistakes. I've got my shadow side collectively. Sure. Yeah. That's the same. <laughs> yep, yep. No, we all do. We all do our best. And so if business, back to the question, Phil, is, it is here to serve. Mm. I'm, uh, just something that occurred to me then was the kind of the emerging future we're facing with more and more automation, more and more AI, mm. you mm. know, self-driving cars. Mm. I think, uh, I can't remember the, the stat, but it was a good portion of, say, the US workforce is, is employed in, in driving occupations. Mm. And the, the reality is that's going away. Radiologists, mm. not not that's not going to be a profession because AI can spot tumours on x-rays mm. with far more accuracy already. Sorry, any radiologists are listening. Um, mm. But how do, how do you think about that, that meaning and purpose and, and the dialogue around that in, in this emerging future where so many careers are, are, are becoming redundant and becoming mm. extinct? Is that, is, that something, is that a topic you've, you've kind of given much mind to? All the time. Mm. Yeah, all the time. And with my s second book that came out uh, late last year, uh, Career to Calling, How to Make the Switch, uh, by writing about what I do, it's a <laughs> it's an obvious area. Then, well, how, how does someone make the switch to more meaningful work when you're facing mm. massive shifts mm. in the global economy? And yep. as you say, uh, with AI, technology. So I ponder this a lot. Mm. So the conclusion I've come to in the last few months uh, and throw a pandemic in the middle of it <laughs> is that I'm continuing on my path with this work and I see it like a bell curve, that if I'm able to empower and equip clients and my readers with a map or an approach to pursuing and finding meaningful occupation, the principles remain the same. On the bell curve, the success rate mightn't be 20, 30% out of 100% who make a, a switch like mm. you might have in a booming economy, but there still could be 10, 15% of people or they have a combination thereof. Mm. And, and that's what I'm aiming towards. A bit like relationships, we long to have love in our lives. Yeah. And we also have a longing for meaning and we have a longing for work. So I figure those folks that are going to be future fit, uh, who are pivoting, who are engaging in self-directed learning, building their networks, and trying to manage the anxiety and the malaise and the despondency mm. to <coughs> use their time with some um, constructive elements. Once again, it's like a bit of a the races, you're upping your probability. Mm. Yep. So that's mm. how I've, I've come to terms with it. Because yeah. I could have said, look, you know, just forget about what I write about, forget about doing any blogs or interviews and so on. The world's stuffed and, there's, you know, <laughs> there's going to be no chances. But I, I look at the history of occupation. Yeah. It will morph. Mm. Uh, I'm not naive about it. I think it's going to be a really tough call. Yeah. Uh, and I'm really worried about a p proportion of the population that are going to be generationally unemployed uh, but I've still got to keep pursuing that there's hope and I feel there is hope yeah 
Agreed. Mm. I think there's a there's a there's definitely a theme around adaptability in there, and, mm. and a theme around um, not getting stuck in I, uh, mean, attaching meaning and I- to identity as a mm. particular thing, mm. you know, or as a particular role. Mm. It, you know, you're you're not a you're not a financial actuary. You you are you enable the the wheels of business to turn, yeah. and that you know the, the the how of that might shift slightly, mm. but your um you know your drive to do that can. Yeah, mm. can can remain intact mm. so yes. um beautiful um i think that's a i think that's a that's a good point to start sort of bringing this round to a close although i feel like we might have to do a might have to do a round two <laughs> at some point because i think there's a lot of stone, yeah. stones we've left unturned but um if it's all right maybe we could end with a few um sort of rapid fire closing questions sure. let the audience get to know you a bit better um the, the questions are rapid fire your answers don't have to be um Sure, yeah. I can start off. So when you're not working in the world of purpose, maybe on <laughs> evenings or weekends, what else are you obsessed by? Oh, Kerry, uh, it's, I'm a real nerd in, in this space. Uh, so uh, I'm not so proud to admit it, but at the moment my obsession is being able to move into the virtual design world mm. with my work. Great. So I'm working particularly long hours at the moment, but... That's okay because I'm uh, I'm learning new skills and uh, to be able to deliver my work. So that's the obsession at at the moment. It's a good one. Yeah. Talking about adaptability, <laughs> yeah. future facing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel mm. like a, a lot of folk would have been in that boat recently. Yes. That's awesome. Mm. Um, have there been any changes you've made to your life that have, uh, or sort of, what have been the most significant changes you've made around your personal commitments to more sustainable mm. uh, living you know what what's what's something you've you've turned the switch on that's made a big difference uh downsized property mm. so i've got a small apartment that we have in the city now and so by being able to walk into the city uh, have an apartment on the floor that faces north so that was a conscious decision to hardly ever use air conditioning yeah to be on the floor of the building where it can use the stairs because i worry that there could be a time that you kind of won't be able to afford or the electricity systems won't mm. be able to have people the indulgence of using lifts up and down. It's not indulgence, obviously, if you're on floor four or five, if you've got yeah, kids yeah. or you're infirm. Mm. I'm not being judgmental sure, there. Yeah. But it was a conscious choice about uh, uh, a, a simpler, smaller property mm-hmm. and that was using less energy off the grid to mm. sustain itself. Yeah, mm. that's awesome. Love mm. it. And then, other than maybe rereading your own book, what else are you rereading right now? What else are you reading right uh, now? Uh, two books. I usually have a two or three on, on the go. And uh, one's uh, The 5am Club by Robin Sharma. Have mm. you come across that no, book? I haven't. I've, I've come across it. I've, never, I've not read it, but I'm aware <laughs> of it. Well, I resisted it for a while because I'm not a, not a late riser, but you know, I certainly wouldn't be up at five o'clock in the morning. Uh, I don't know about people listening in today but uh i've gone through some times just feeling a bit flat in the mornings just with it's such a weird time mm. that we're going through and uh, a bit despondent and those thoughts that i can be having at five in the morning are quite negative and not constructive and i know from the neuroscience it's not good for the brain to be continuing to have that so i can feel the cortisol levels are high so with robin sharma's book of suggesting getting up around five ish or could be six he's not you know Strict on that. And then for that first hour, 20 minutes of uh, movement, 20 minutes of meditation and reflection, uh, journaling, and, and then the third 20 minutes is around growing. So mm. reading, 
something or listening to a podcast like yours. Thanks for the plug. We like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You heard, you, so you heard it here first, everyone. Yeah, 5 a.m. Yeah. Put the podcast on. Put, put, put the podcast on and that might be uh, part of the walking, but just that walking and movement and stretching. So, you know, movement, learning, growing. And I've been doing that for uh, the last three weeks or so. Mm. And so I was up at five-ish this morning. Beautiful. And um, How are you feeling with it? Great. Yeah, and the, the, the thoughts of shift. I don't, I don't know about both of you, but uh, those thoughts move. Once I'm up and doing something mm. and energised and going to bed earlier at night, uh, it, it, it uh, has been quite a significant shift. And I think perhaps there's even just some early signs of just a, just a mild, not depression, but a mild malaise as part of just the, the world at the moment. Mm. Yeah. So my creativity is up again. And um, I'm a little bit fitter. Brilliant. The other book is uh, The Repurposed Life by Ronnie Kahn mm. uh, from Oz Harvest. Yeah. Her book came out last week. And uh, once again, it's got that twist, of course, with purpose. But I just love that word, a repurposed life. Yeah. So she's an inspirational woman that's ahead of me in age. Uh, and she has continued to reinvent herself. Mm. And she's found her true calling, which she talks about in the, the chapters of her book. And around the power of service. Mm. And she's had parts of her life that she feels quite shamed about. Sure. And she shared that in the book to give it the light and give it the day that she hasn't had a perfect life and how she's reframed shame and guilt. And I think there'd be listeners that you go through these experiences mm. and how you learn from it and not let it get you down. Yeah. And to be able to, as I said, recreate, reframe, but also being very real to then say, this has given me the life lessons mm. that's propelled me to live my true path. That's great. So it's a, it's a fantastic read. I'm loving it. We um, we might have to ask Ronnie to come on the podcast. Ronnie, this is your op open invitation. <laughs> I, I, know you, I know you're listening. <laughs> um, and, and finally, any asks of the audience or any, any parting, parting messages or wisdom that you'd like to leave them with? Two themes. Firstly, to, to back themselves. Hmm. Uh, the number of people I meet where you find deep down, particularly in the confidentiality of the coaching environment, I don't know if you both find this, mm -hmm. the amount of fear mm -hmm. and lack of confidence mm -hmm. and that imposter word that's still coming up. So to, to believe in yourself, to know that you're a, you know, a, a wonderful being with all the many life experiences that you've had, and you're trying your best to lead or as an emerging leader to, 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 yeah, just to back yourself, to believe in yourself, to work with your fear and to uh, continue to do great things. Uh, and the, the second area is not to waste time, waste the preciousness, preciousness of this life. It can be over in the blink of an eye. So to be not wasting it, what is it? that you can aim towards of asking the questions, what lights me up? Mm. What gives me joy? What do I see where my abilities can be used? And the more that I, we get out of our own way to then be of service and benefit and contributing, the formula can be quite straightforward mm. once we get into the rhythm of that. Two great messages there. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Mm. Perfect. Uh, yes. Annie, Thank you so much. Um, Absolute pleasure. It, I, re it really mm. has been. Um, mm. Eternally grateful for you um, sharing your, your time and your wisdom and your insights with us. Um, for lastly, names of uh, names of your your fine books and uh, where can where can people reach out and, and find you if they've moved? Yes, our 
business is simpaticocoach.com.au. Or if you just look up my name, Annie Stewart, it'll take you to pretty quickly to the, the business website. Mm-hmm. And for the book is Career to Calling, How to Make the Switch. And that's got its own website, Career to Calling. And, and for those of you watching <laughs> the video online, uh, holding up the uh, holding up the book there. So um, yeah, fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's it for another episode. Um, and uh, to you, dear listener, uh, until next time. Good on you for the work you're doing. Thank, Thank really you. Contributing and leaders for good is an important work. So put all the best with what you're both trying to achieve. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this episode useful, the best way to support us and spread the message is by telling a friend or a colleague. You can also give us a rating or a comment on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you'd like to learn more about Leaders for Good and how you can start making positive change, head on over to leadersforgood.org and join our free community.